0: Welcome to the Linguava Podcast, the invisible profession, where we give you tools, tips, and resources in medical interpretation and translation that help bring to life our industry and ultimately help improve health outcomes for the limited English proficient communities. Welcome, everyone, to our episode number nine, número nueve here on our Linguava podcast, The Invisible Profession. And we are all in for a big treat today is we have an amazing guest and her name is Darinka Mangino, who's coming to us straight from Mexico City this morning. She has an incredible resume that I'm going to share just a little bit to do it justice, but I won't be able to share, share all of it because we would be here for just a little bit too long reading it all. But she is a conference in court interpreter for Spanish, English, and, and French. She holds a master's in advanced studies for interpreting trainers from the University of Geneva, Switzerland, and a PGC in forensic linguistics from Aston University. She also is a member of the International Association of Conference Interpreters and the Mexican Translators Association. Um, something very interesting about her that, we'll, that we'll, we'll be unpacking as well is she has served as the personal interpreter of three presidents of Mexico and is hired by several international organizations like the UN and the OAS. So it is a huge honor to have Darenka on the show this morning. Darenka, thanks for joining us all the way from Mexico City.
1: Thank you, David. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here with your audience, with the colleagues, and I'm very happy to be here and share a little bit of my experience.
0: And uh, we would love to hear a little bit about your story as such an accomplished and professional interpreter, interpreting for three different presidents of Mexico, how did you get started as, as an interpreter?
1: My story as a professional interpreter began almost 25 years ago. 24 to be precise. But my actual training as an interpreter, I guess it started the day one when I was born. And and during these days of confinement, I have had a lot of time to reflect exactly where certain skills came from. And I think that uh, I I could share with you a bit of that to understand what were the experiences that made it possible that uh, I could pair the values and the passion for language that I learned in my early years with the skills and training you get in the university. Uh, When I was born, my parents decided to make an experiment. So my mother would speak Spanish to me. My father would speak English to me. They were both Mexicans. So they were not, uh, well, my father was not a native speaker of English. So they did that experiment for a while where i was exposed to two different languages from a very early age so i realized that at a very early age that languages are tools and languages are part of your of your identity so my grandfather could speak German and he could speak Mayan because his hmm. mother was a, a Mayan woman from Guatemala, but he decided not to. So it was a big question that uh, just got stuck in the back of my mind. Like, yeah. "What? oh, can I speak another language? Can I decide which one to speak and which other language not to speak?
0: You know, it's, it's funny hearing, hearing your, your story and talking about just that, that curiosity and that, that interest and, and passion for, for languages in it. I hadn't really even thought about it that way. For me, as as to why I why I got started in interpreting, I was always enamored with the ability of the skill of, of interpretation. It was very very challenging at, at first, just like it would be for for anyone. But I but now you now that you mentioned that, I think about the fact that I was always drawn to idioms and just the how how language works and. You really I think that there's there's something there for us as interpreters that we' we're, we're, we're drawn to language in a sort of a unique way, not just simply learning languages, which is great, but of course, that doesn't make you an interpreter, right so I think that there's something something there to like really being drawn to more of the what's behind the curtain with with languages and-
1: exactly, and uh, I always like to define how important languages are for interpreting as having a vehicle. So you can have a car, a very nice car and languages are the gasoline that you put into the car, but to make it work, you need a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. And in my case, I was exposed to different cultures, even in my own family. Well, my parents got divorced, so I spend uh, a lot of time with my mother's family, but just visiting my father's family was a completely different culture and uh on his side i was in close contact with a lot of artists as well Mm. so it was a very interesting way to see okay we're all mexicans but i am seeing two different cultures they don't use the same words they don't laugh about the same things so i was somehow well if i use the word force to be neutral or somehow as a, an observer of these two realities, it's it's a very strong word to say force. But when you are little, well, you are in the world of adults and you cannot yeah. make a lot of, of, of decisions. So I somehow saw that you can use, that language is not only words. For example, the, the the art that I was in contact with was video art. My my father's wife was the first woman to bring video art to Mexico. So it was a complete. Novelty. So I I realized that you can express through images a a lot and some some expressions in in language. And uh, I I think of many images that uh, can describe how the Mexican culture works are very vivid. So the way you can add knowledge, image, and emotion into what you want to communicate and expressing it by by choosing the right words, it was fascinating to me from from the beginning. Understanding the culture of the language that you're speaking is essential to be an interpreter. And sometimes when we live in a country, for example, in Mexico, I need to make an extra effort to understand the culture of the US, for example, the culture of the UK, the culture of Australia, because we get all of those varieties of English here. In your case, you get all the varieties of spanish for example when when you hire a spanish interpreter well you hope that uh, the user of that service comes from the same country because otherwise you would sometimes uh feel that they are speaking uh, greek to you because it's uh, you don't know the culture so speaking a language yes it helps but if you don't understand the culture you are lost
0: that's so important when you're going into any any sort of a, an assignment for interpretation, knowing ahead of time what that organization is, and then who you're going to be interpreting for, and and where they're from, is not always information that's that's um, available to us as interpreters, but extremely important, especially depending on the type of uh, type of type of assignment. It is a skill and a challenge, and I, I've talked with a lot of interpreters that have have tried to learn simultaneous and um, and not not been successful or not felt comfortable to that level. So what would be your, your advice for some of those interpreters who are wanting to, maybe they, they are able to do consecutive well and they feel comfortable and confident there. How do they make that, that big step to being able to get that, the level of competence and training and, and confidence in, in simultaneous interpreter? What would be your, your advice for them?
1: Of course. Well, practice makes perfect. So we have to practice and practice and practice until certain skills become automatic. And uh, by this, I mean being able to listen, speak, think, decide, choose, watch what is going on in front of you, use your glossary, and communicate with your colleagues. So there are many things that uh, are needed to perform simultaneous interpretation. So what, what happens is that most of the times we see the outcome. You see someone just clicking the on button on a console and they start speaking and you only see them speaking in a different language and listening in a different language. So in between, there is a lot that goes on. But uh, we need to step back Uh, certain steps in order to begin understanding what is needed in every time that uh, a speaker comes to the floor and shares a speech, for example. So if an interpreter only practices simultaneous interpreting, just turning on the TV and shadowing in English what uh, they listen, or they just start interpreting what they hear from the radio, of course, it will help you get uh, comfortable with having two sound inputs at the same time. But we are missing a lot in terms of what communication is. So a simultaneous interpreter is saying in a different language, what the speaker is uh, just said in, in, in a different language. So we need to understand first, who is the speaker? What is the purpose of that speaking, sharing, an idea, uh, a comment, whatever it is with their audience or the person in front of them. So first of all, I would advise people to understand communication and the role of the interpreter in that uh, exchange. Another advice would be to understand your language, know it very well, and Understand how people communicate ideas in their own cultures, because every organization will have their own format and in conferences, for example, we We get a lot of delegates, we get a lot of speakers that would speak in very formal terms and according to the rules of specific uh, situations like the UN assembly, for example, uh, a welcome address from, from a president, for example, there, there are rules, there are very specific rules that sometimes uh, newcomers to the profession, they are not aware of all of those protocols that, uh, that uh, speakers of a language in a specific context have to comply with. So if you're not aware of that, it's very likely that you are going to make the wrong choices. And uh, the best example is what happens in court. So there are many rules. You don't know the rules. You won't be able to understand a thing. We call ourselves interpreters, but we don't do the same work. And uh, if you usually work in courts and then you are offered a job for a specialized conference, if you don't have the right skills, it might be very likely that you would run into trouble. And the same thing for a conference interpreter if they are asked to interpret in a, in a hearing. And, uh, well, we both have the skills. It doesn't matter if it's simultaneous, consecutive, sight translation, we all do the same. But these realities are very different. And the way communi- uh, the information is presented is very different. So that when people decide to move from one area of specialization to the other, well, Sometimes they are unaware of how different communication is, and uh, for aspiring interpreters, for example, we all want to be u n interpreters Well, that is a specific field that requires a specific uh, skills that you won 't have to use in court for example there you need other skills so well of course if you work for the international court it's it would be similar but uh, the the crimes are different so you need to adapt depending on the area where you you envision to work in the future but it's not easy to to jump from one setting to the other without the right training and with the right awareness of the rules and the ethics because that is also a very important component of professional interpretation.
0: Yeah, and, what, and one thing as far as preparation, you know, relating this even to the, the medical field, when you're, when you're thinking about taking an assignment that could be, a, that oncology is going to be very different than going to the dentist, interpreting for someone getting a tooth extraction or a physical therapy appointment or someone who's who's having a heart condition. So knowing that information and, and following, following something mm-hmm. similar, are you, going, are you going to a hospital? Are you going to a clinic? What's the department that you're, that you're going to? Knowing that is, uh, is, is extremely important. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for all of us as language service providers to make sure that we are doing our part in, in sharing that information and providing that information to all of our interpreters before they go to an assignment. So then that way, if they're going to, let's say, the leukemia appointment, that they're able to be extra versed in that terminology before showing up and having to feel like you're scrambling.
1: Exactly. And uh, when it comes to technical terms, those are words that you've never heard, you've never used. And uh, acquiring language and using new words require... A long time well we can see it when when when, uh, kids learn to speak well they start uh, articulating phrases after two or three years of practice so it's we need tools we and it's possible we we interpreters are very adaptable i can learn uh, well on average every time i have a new topic uh, a a new topic in, in my assignments on average i research over 300 terms so that's uh mm-hmm. that's how how big you, mean you the- don't
0: you don't know every word already in the entire in the, in every in, in every language. You're not you're not a human dictionary. <laughs> I think a lot not of yet. Times, <laughs> I, I think a lot of times um and I want to I want to pivot here to to another topic talking about um limitations as as interpreters we are humans. We are not human dictionaries. We are not calculators. We we do not know every every term Uh, word. So, and I think that that's really important to, to be real about because sometimes as an interpreter, when we're asking for a clarification on a term that maybe we have not heard before, we're not familiar with, we didn't quite hear, or we want to make sure before we just assume, we think we might know what that term is, but we want, we don't want to assume. How do you, as a, as a conference interpreter with so much at stake of different people's speaking tone, their speed, their accent, the, the volume in which they're speaking, or the, maybe even the volume that you have access to. So if you're in a booth, how, what is that volume level? How close are they to the microphone? How much do you have access to be able to ask, ask that question um, for them to speak louder, addre- speak closer to, to the microphone? So when things, things go wrong, as they can sometimes, or if law, Mm -hmm. What, what are you, what is a a simultaneous interpreter able to do when it comes to correcting themselves? If they, if, if a mistake is made, how are we able to adequately try to correct, correct that? And when are we not, when do we not have the opportunity to, and we have to just move on?
1: In conference interpreting, we have the benefit of stepping into the shoulders of uh, the colleagues who were here before us and created this profession. So they did a very good job in setting the rules in the, in In terms of uh, informing uh, organizations what were the needs of interpreters, so most of those rules and those practices are well established so if you watch videos of the United Nations, you see that they use very specific microphones and you can only have one voice at mm-hmm. the same time so it in terms of uh, the level, the minimum working conditions, I believe that uh, in general, there is a lot of ground that we have achieved and the rules are understood by public speakers because as public speakers, they just want to be heard and they know that uh microphones are tools. So we tend to work with very experienced people in terms of communicating before an audience. So you might get uh, in specialized conferences, people who are not that experienced, they are nervous, and they might want to talk very fast, because the only thing they want is to step down and do something else, but being presenting a paper. So we might get Something of that sort more often, but in general uh, technicians which are are part of the team in conference uh, interpreting they it's their job to take care of that well that is speaking in general we we, we see that uh, meetings are changing in format, for example, so we tend to have faster speakers because you only have two hours and you need to to have all delegates speak or, or the people who have to present in a in a briefing session so that can be uh an obstacle but in terms of what we do in conference interpreting we don't have a record that is all the time overseeing what we do and there are uh different rules that you do find in medical interpreting and in court so we uh, our our job is to enable communication and present communication in a way that it is understandable so we have a little bit more room of uh, shaping the message in a way that uh, the listeners uh, of the message can digest easily gotcha. be, and in court you have to be there you you can't even take away the arms and the harms and the uh, you know all of those particles of communication that have a specific yeah. role in in court they are assessing the witness's credibility in conference interpreting it is about spreading knowledge spreading ideas and that gives us an opportunity to a little bit the message in terms of shape, not in terms of substance, mm-hmm. so in that sense we can we have more more um, more space, but at the same time, we need more knowledge of different fields in order to do that because in conferences we might sometimes omit information. For the sake of communication, it's not taking information out because we don't know how to say that in the other language that if you don't know how to say something in the other languages because you didn't prepare probably your mastery of the language is not good enough, but there are choices that uh, that are valid in in this field and this is something that you can't do in other settings for my my what i know about um medical interpreting in community settings is that you serve more uh as a mediator and you have other roles you interpret but you can add information you can contribute to prevent any misunderstanding because there's liability and doctors have certain responsibilities that uh get them to court if yeah,
0: they don't comply with that as long as that's d- done so with with you know clar- clarifying language and yeah there are, there are times where you, you step out of that conduit role and you become the <laughs> cultural broker or or um, clarifier or even advocate at some some mm-hmm. situations where someone may be maybe at harm we're getting uh, getting close to our time here there's so, so many questions that I, um, I still have but I'm gonna just I'm gonna leave it to one one more and then uh, before I get to that question though too I wanna make sure that that everyone here in our podcast community has the ability to if they did want to get in touch with you uh maybe a follow-up follow-up question for you directly what's the what's the best way people can can get in touch with you linkedin or email or
1: thank you yes yes uh i use several um social networks i'm on linkedin look for that income and gino on twitter at dmw underscore interpreter I'm on Facebook as well, that Mangino, and my website. Well, actually, I have three projects. So the way you can contact me is uh, www.lexica.solutions. That's uh, my own personal project for on-demand courses, personal coaching, and uh, some other some other trainings that uh, that I offer that cover court interpreting, conference. And um, and well, I, I also get contacted by associations to design specific courses, so you'll find a, a wide variety there. I also am part of a collective uh, it's recently created, Proyecto Sensontli, which is www.proyecto with a Y in Spanish. Uh, oh that's uh, that's uh, now what the world is, uh, word is so it's cenzontl dot com uh, we never thought that how, how difficult that would be to share internationally because most of the courses that uh, you'll find there are specific for the needs of mexico which is uh, a very uh, it's a, a market that has very different needs so so we basically offer courses for Mexico or whomever is interested in learning more about Mexico and how we work in Mexico. That's uh, another place. And I also have another project with my dear colleague, and we design and offer courses to hone your your skills in the use of technology and interpreting basically CHI tools. And uh, well, with all of the changes that the pandemic brought along, we shared trainings on how to interpret using Zoom and many other, many other options.
0: That's, that's excellent. Well, and that's a great, great resource. I encourage anyone that, that's interested to reach out. And as we know from our very own uh, Grace, who has just speaks, uh, Volumes and raves about your your training courses, so
1: thank you very we know much that. we
0: know that directly from from experience so and we'll make sure and put all your information on the on the video as well as as, as any posts that we do so people can can be able to get in touch with you that inca thank you very much my, my last question for you here before before we close is you, you've, you've dedicated so many years twenty five years to to interpretation and to to bridging bridging the bridging the gap and really you know helping making sure that the communication is 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 had what is if you had to say in one phrase or one word or one 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 short phrase what is it that that drives you to to be the be the best interpreter you can be
1: a service i would say that uh having the possibility of being someone else's voice is a huge responsibility and i take it very seriously so i in every job i try to be the best version of my professional self so and that requires a lifestyle so i try to to keep my skills up and I'm running, and I try to learn as much as I can from every, every field to feel confident that uh, I can be up to the task because if uh, you, you cannot feel that you're ever ready for everything in interpreting. So I, I like to take that responsibility very, very seriously. So that, that would be the, the phrase.
0: I love that service, and from talking with with you it's very clear that that you have that that servanthood leadership that heart of a servant to uh to be able to, <laughs> to lead and um, and really g- give back to to the community in so many different different countries and presidents that, that you've been able to uh, to to help service so so we thank you for all, all of your service that that you're that you're doing thank you for the example that you that you've been to so many. Of, of us interpreters that are, that are learning and, and, and coming up. And um, we uh, will continue, continue cheering, cheering for you in all of, all of your endeavors and, and trainings. And again, we just encourage everyone to uh, take a moment and check out Dorinka's trainings on, online, check out her site and uh, be able to connect with her because she is an amazing trainer. And we know that, know that from experience. And we, <laughs> we want to just thank everyone for for tuning into our episode number, number nine here. If there was a question that you have for for us from from this conversation, go ahead and uh, pop that into the comments. There's a topic that you'd love for us to to share about in an upcoming episode. We'd love to hear that as well. And also, if you haven't already, take a moment and hit like and subscribe to to the podcast so that we uh, we know that you're you're enjoying enjoying it. And feel free to share it with with your community and networks so that they can also get the same same content as well. So, got
1: On the contrary, David, it has been a pleasure from the moment I got your email and in preparation for this interview, I have to congratulate you because you are very organized and all the information that I received, I've been interviewed in many occasions, but you have a very, very unique style. So, so thank you for that opportunity to prepare in advance. And thank you for this opportunity to meet uh, your colleagues and for sharing a little bit of my view of interpreting so thank you i appreciate this opportunity and good luck with every lingua interpreters endeavor and i hope to see you in the future
0: excellent thank you it was uh, was honestly our our pleasure and we'll be uh definitely be be talking soon and look forward to connecting again